have dreams and hopes and ambitions. Every girl graduating today does. And we have spent our entire lives working towards our future. And without our input and without our consent, our control over that future has been stripped away from us. I am terrified that if my contraceptives fail, I am terrified that if I am raped, then my hopes and aspirations and dreams and efforts for my future will no longer matter. This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. Well, folks, the unthinkable has happened. With a 6-3 to three conservative majority, the Supreme Court upheld a horrific Texas abortion law that goes far beyond any anti-choice legislation introduced in the preceding decade. From protests to praise, intense reaction to that controversial new Texas abortion law, with the Supreme Court, for now, declining to block it. So what's next? This is not just about Texas, right? This fight is at our doorstep. Both sides seeing it as a potentially existential moment for abortion access across the country, with intensifying questions over what this means for the fate of Roe versus Wade, the 1973 landmark abortion rights decision. SB8 allows anyone who disapproves of abortion, a neighbor, a distant relative, an abusive partner, or even a stranger to report any perceived violation of the law which could lead to a health center shutting down. Perhaps even more horrifically, it also allows any such person to act as a bounty hunter and sue doctors, health centers, and anyone who helps another person access abortion for $10,000 plus legal fees for each abortion identified. And the decision last night of the Supreme Court to let the Texas law go into effect is essentially a green light for other states to pass the same law as Texas and basically outlaw abortion. These are dangerous and terrifying times, my friends. Something straight out of Margaret Atwood Woods, The Handmaid's Tale, only in not dystopian science fiction. We're not living in that dystopia. Uh, Daniel has been convicted of endangering a child. The punishment for that crime is death by stoning. The state of Texas has outsourced the bill's enforcement to the public and worse, to bounty hunters. It deputizes abortion opponents to harass their enemies. Texas Right to Life has already launched a whistleblower website where people can submit anonymous tips. What Texas has devised is a bizarre, dystopian, vigilante system for hunting women in Texas who seek abortions. A vigilante system to effectively ban abortion and shut down all abortion providers in the state, not to mention terrorizing women who are seeking the procedure. But they're using not the direct power of the state, but instead anti-abortion activists as their vigilantes and the state court system as their means of doing it. It is weird. It is deliberately weird. And as our friend Dahlia Lithwick explains at Slate.com today, it is a, quote, convoluted system that Texas Republicans devised on purpose, specifically to prevent federal courts from blocking this law. Texas, though, systematically gerrymandering made it possible for the GOP to engineer a takeover of the Statehouse and Greg Abbott, the grand ghoul of Statehouse conservatism is using all his powers to enact awful, regressive legislation attacking women's bodies and their right to choose, not to mention his assault on voter rights and opposition to mask mandates. 
Right now, he has made Texas the new capital of MAGA. Trump's stacking of the court has finally paid off in spades. We can talk to the day is long about the craven hypocrisy of Republicans, but at the end of the day, the Republicans promised to do this. John they Roberts did, promised yes, to do this. Yes. The, 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 the Donald Trump promised to only nominate anti-abortion judges. Josh Hawley promised to only vote for anti- They promised to do this. Where are the Democrats? Where are the Democrats stopping them? Because this was not a surprise. The particular case, the peculiarities, sure, that's a little weird, but where they were going, the destruction of a woman's right to choose has always been the goal. Although Roe v. Wade is still technically legal precedent, with sb 8s enactment, Texans can no longer receive its protections. President Biden released a statement saying that SB8 violates the constitutional right established under Roe v. Wade and pledging to, and I quote, protect and defend that right. I have been, continue to be, a strong supporter of Roe v. Wade. Number one. And uh, the most pernicious thing about the Texas law it sort of creates a vigilante system where people get rewards to go out to, anyway. And it just seems, I know this sounds ridiculous, almost un-American. But in a few months, the justices are likely to explicitly overturn Roe. Until then, states that are hostile to abortion have been provided a roadmap for how to evade the law. And we are likely to see more states passing legislation modeled after SB8. Without a federal law codifying the right to abortion, and with the current conservative majority Supreme Court, it is not clear how Biden will protect these rights. You want something the Democrats can do? I will tell you what the Democrats can do. Joe Biden tonight can issue an executive order establishing a privacy commission federal officials to go down to Texas under armed guard, if necessary, to provide and protect constitutional rights that have been stripped away by Texas. That quirk of the Texas law that like, oh, only private citizens can enforce it by suing. Well, guess what? Federal officials, qualified immunity. Ah, didn't see that one coming, did you? Yeah. Federal officials would be under qualified immunity and thus protected from this very law if Joe Biden would but act. The outcry has been immediate. See this viral commencement speech from Texas high school valedictorian Paxton Smith, who swapped out her approved speech to speak out against the dehumanizing impact of the law. I have dreams and hopes and ambitions. Every girl graduating today does. And we have spent our entire lives working towards our future. And without our input and without our consent, our control over that future has been stripped away from us. I am terrified that if my contraceptives fail, I am terrified that if I am raped, then my hopes and aspirations and dreams and efforts for my future will no longer matter. That was in May, immediately upon the law's passage. But it was so draconian in its enforcement, cartoonishly fucking evil in the way it punished women, everyone figured that it would never stand. Yet, here we are. 
and the outcry from pro-choice champions is being heard across the country. Many are wondering if outcry alone will be enough to stop this from spreading to other conservative states. I think this is uh, absolutely uh, the blueprint for how you get around Roe versus Wade by enabling private parties to bring civil lawsuits. The state says we're not involved in this. It's not the state that is doing anything to prevent a woman's right to choose. It's just these private actors who've been enabled by this state legislation. And with the courts in action and saying that this is a complex matter and we have to allow briefing to occur, we can't stop it to preserve the status quo, which is what Justice Roberts would want to do. It means for many months, even if ultimately this statute is invalidated, in the meantime, for every minute, every second that goes by, Women in Texas are having their constitutional right uh, to make choices about their own reproductive rights abridged. And I think other states are paying attention. And you can bet that in states who are eager to see the end of Roe versus Wade, we're going to see copycat legislation hit the books immediately. The Supreme Court is already scheduled to hear a case this fall out of Mississippi that gives it an opportunity to overrule Roe v. Wade entirely. If that happens, so-called trigger laws designed to go into effect as soon as Roe is overturned would automatically ban abortions in a number of states. There's also the prospect of copycat laws going into effect. On Thursday, GOP lawmakers in Arkansas, Florida, and South Dakota promised to do so in their next legislative session. Republicans held up the Texas law as an example for the country to follow. And I quote, this law will save the lives of thousands of unborn babies in Texas and become a national model, said Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick of Texas. I pray that every other state will follow our lead in defense of life. We want to give that little Texan in the womb who has a heartbeat a chance to see their full potential. And so everyone who is speaking against this bill, obviously for whatever their reason, very comfortable with taking the life of a little Texan who has a heartbeat. The New York Times editorial board fired off a warning shot to its readers offering that the law is shocking and blatantly fucking unconstitutional and that we should not be surprised. Anti-choice activists, lawmakers and judges have been laying the groundwork for this moment since the court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973. For nearly half a century, the anti-abortion movement had to settle for partial victories, constantly chipping away at women's rights to an abortion, but never achieving the ultimate goal of overturning Roe itself. Now, with a hard-right supermajority on the bench for this purpose, that goal is within reach, even as a solid and consistent majority of the American public continue to believe abortion should be legal in all or most cases. This law says it, it's clearly trying to push in the direction. They're going to do everything they can if you are vulnerable, if you don't have alternatives, to make sure that you are forced into carrying a pregnancy that you do not want to carry. And I, I just think this is fundamentally wrong. This divides people. This, this enables people to target abortion providers, people who give advice, people who try to help, everything to say we are going to 
isolate and make life as hard as possible for those who don't have resources. But for those who have resources, just go to Massachusetts or go to New York or go to California, go somewhere else. And that's going to be the kind of division we're going to see in this country. The question now becomes how Democrats will push back against this nightmare legislation. Strong words and angry tweets are just not enough, folks. Direct congressional action is needed, and for that to happen, we must once again reckon with the filibuster. No change will effectively happen until that option is removed for Republicans. My solution to this, which is my solution for voting rights and so many other things, including climate change, where one side of the country is in flames, the other side of the country is flooded, with people dying submerged in their cars, I believe we should abolish the filibuster. I do not believe an archaic rule should be used to allow us to put our heads in the sand, to use Justice Sotomayor's words, to put our heads in the sand and not take action on the important issues, the challenges that are facing our country right now. President Biden pledged a whole of government effort in response to the Texas law directing the Department of Health and Human Services and the Justice Department to identify possible federal measures to help ensure that women in the state have access to safe and legal abortions. The highest court of our land will allow millions of women in Texas in need of critical reproductive care to suffer while courts sift through procedural complexities, Mr. Biden said. The impact of last night's decision will be immediate and requires an immediate response. As horrible as this Texas law is, this year, 2021, has already seen more abortion restrictions proposed and passed than any other year in United States history. What changed between 2020 and 2021? Oh, I remember Ruth Bader Ginsburg died and Amy Coney Barrett got on the court. So we we knew this was coming. The states knew it was coming. The Republicans knew it was coming. And for us just now to be like, oh, maybe now we need a whole of government response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think like that should have already been in place. We should have known that this was coming. The only net positive from the Texas ruling is the way in which it will energize Democratic voters coming into the midterm elections. Republican lawmakers outside the party's far right are issuing carefully worded statements to avoid being caught in the crosshairs of the pro-choice response on its way. Democrats and abortion rights advocates who have sometimes been frustrated by voters taking access for granted vowed Thursday to use this moment to wake people up. They promised to go after not just GOP candidates and office holders who support the Texas measure and others like it, but also corporations that support them. And now for the main event. If you feel a sense of anger that President Biden has been slow to push back against the conservative onslaught raging against the country in state legislatures, you're not alone. First, there was an attack on voter rights based on Trump's big lie. Then it was the ban on mask mandates, which has caused a spike in COVID deaths. And finally, a full-scale assault on reproductive rights from the state of Texas, which serves as a prelude for what promises to be a battle in state legislatures nationwide to overturn Roe v. Wade. 
The right is playing for keeps, and while Biden continues to play the middle, as if there is room for compromise. I'm hoping that this threat on a women's fundamental right wakes him the fuck up and the rest of the Democratic Party. My next guest on Mea Culpa, Maria Cardona, has been asking many of these same questions. A seasoned public policy advocate and political strategist, Cardona has more than two decades of experience in the government, politics, public relations, and community affairs arenas. Recognized amongst the most influential Latinos in the country, Maria is a principal at the Dewey Square Group, leading the multicultural and public affairs practice. Her government and political background includes service as director of communications for the Immigration and Naturalization Service and five years as the Department of Commerce, first as deputy press secretary and later as press secretary. During her time at the Commerce Department, she acted as lead communication strategist for the passage of NAFTA in 1993. She also served as communications director for the Democratic National Committee from 2001 to 2003. Nowadays, Cardona is a political commentator for CNN and CNN in Espanol for a host of the hit political podcast, Hot Mics from Left to Right. She joins Maya Culpa as many Democrats are coming to terms with the Supreme Court's decision to allow a blatantly unconstitutional Texas abortion law to stand. How Democrats will respond and what that means for 2022 and beyond are on the forefront of her mind. So let's go now to that conversation. All righty. So, Maria, the GOP and Donald Trump has used the chaotic Afghanistan withdrawal as an opening to try and afflict maximum political damage on Joe Biden. Now, there have been calls for his and his cabinet's resignation, impeachment and removal by the 25th Amendment. While none of these will come to pass, the GOP is hoping to use this to flip the House in 2022 and hopefully then oust Joe Biden in 2024. What do you think the ramifications will be for Biden um, down the line? And also, will people ultimately forget and return to kitchen sink issues? Or will Afghanistan stick around for a while as an issue for voters? Look, Michael, and thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. The hypocrisy of the GOP, as you know, knows no bounds. And regardless of the fact that Donald Trump was part and parcel of the reason we were in this situation with the Taliban to begin with, right? I mean, let's remember who made the deal. Let's remember who uh, essentially cemented the date of withdrawal. Let's remember who let out 5,000 Taliban fighters from uh, being behind bars. And let's remember who wanted to bring the Taliban to Camp David. So let's just, you know, be very clear eyed about this. They will try, to your point, to have Joe Biden suffer the consequences politically and to try to hang this around the necks of Democrats in 2022. But the reality is that I believe what Americans will remember, as they should, is the heroism of our troops and the huge 
uh, historic airlift of 120,000 Americans and Afghans who were with us side by side as we fought this endless 20-year war, and the fact that Biden was the one president in the last four administrations that actually kept his promise to get us out of Afghanistan. And we know that the majority of the American people are with him on that. So my advice to Democrats is to focus on that. Yes, it was messy. Yes, it was chaotic. And it is easy for anyone, including you and I, Michael, to sit here and Monday morning quarterback to say they could have planned this better. They could have evacuated Americans earlier. But who knows? You know, I believe Biden and his advisors to say it would have been messy anyway. Imagine if we had started evacuating Americans in the face of trying to get the Afghans to fight off the Taliban. What kind of message would that have sent? It could have been even bloodier. We don't know. Monday morning quarterbacking and armchair analyzing is easy and it's low risk. There was nothing easy and low risk about what Joe Biden did in keeping to the date in withdrawing our troops and in and trying to protect as many Americans as possible. Yeah, and I totally agree with you, except here on Maya Culpa, we actually call it um, Tuesday quarterbacking <laughs> because it's it's usually the Monday night football there game that go. we're referring right. to. Right. And of course, and of course, Trump sitting in his couch. Right. Um, wolfing down another burger with a couple of gallons of Coca-Cola. He would say, of course, he would have thrown it down the sideline 50, 60 yards for a touchdown pass to win because Donald Trump is a winner. Everything he does is 100 percent accurate. Have you noticed that in the six plus years now since he's emerged, right, that he has never been wrong about anything? And it's truly amazing that not only has he never been wrong, he knows more than the generals. His gut knows more than the generals. You may also remember in 2011, he was so adamant about walking out of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And he didn't care about a plan mm-hmm. because a plan actually takes thought. It actually takes time. It takes it takes um, the ability to sit on your ass for hours with your generals, the people who actually know what the hell is going on there, not somebody who gave you three bullet points over the course of a desk while you're sitting there signing checks for the Trump organization. Instead, right, what what they needed to do, what, what he wanted to do in 2011, is just get everybody right. out. Just send the planes in and let them and let them all fend for themselves without taking into consideration what would have and probably, you know, would have happened um, if, in fact, that that's the route that they did instead of what Joe Biden did. This organized, methodical removal of one hundred and twenty six plus thousand people in a period of two weeks, something that Trump never could have done. Well, just 79 days and counting before I am free from home confinement. I'm beginning to climb the walls a bit, knowing that total freedom is so tantalizingly close. My only salvation are daily walks that allow me to clear my head and feel close to normal. Accompanying those walks, I'll listen to my favorite music to tune out the world. No matter how you're feeling about getting back out there, there's no denying it's an adjustment. When the world gets too loud, something I love to do is create my own soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds. Sometimes you need some upbeat music to pump you up before you see people or to stay calm with some guided meditation. 
Whether it's a little Bruce Springsteen or the latest hip-hop playlist, I use music to tune out the world and focus on what's right in front of me as I work out or just walk and clear my head. So let me tell you right now, folks, Raycons are the best way to listen. They come with a bunch of gel tips for your comfort, and like some other brands, they don't stick out of your ears. Raycons have a 32-hour battery life, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really, really long time. They start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And Raycons come with a 45-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. So give them a try. You'll see exactly what I mean. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon. Right now, Mayacopa listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash Cohen. That's buyraycon.com slash Cohen to save 15% on Raycons. One more time, folks. Buyraycon.com slash Cohen. Now, I did want to ask you this question because you said that it's messy. Mm -hmm. And yes, I acknowledge 13 of our service members, unfortunately, were killed. Not by the Taliban, by ISIS-K. Now, war in and of itself Mm -hmm. is messy. It's a messy business. It was messy getting in, and it's messy getting mm-hmm. out. But how can we really fairly describe this evacuation of Afghanistan as messy, right? I mean, despite the 13 people who were lost, we lost eight people right. in New York based on a flood. That's right. Right? Um, or, or more. Uh, we, we lost, you know, more than that in the last two weeks to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Because, again, Trump had no plan. He is a fucking buffoon. Mm -hmm. And there is no other way to describe him. He is just a fucking schmuck to the nth degree. Right? And I I actually don't like it when people start talking to me as I do my walks in the park or stroll around the city about how Biden has screwed up this evacuation. Because, and I want to be fair Mm -hmm. now, I don't think it was done 100% perfection mm-hmm. with perfection um but then again when i moved my son into college into his from his dorm room to his apartment it wasn't done with 100 percent perfection either right. there were a couple of screws missing and so so nothing actually ever goes 100 percent right point. but i think he did a pretty good that's, deal that's the point michael the kind of engagement that we have had in afghanistan for the past 20 years i think by definition there was an impossibility around that whole engagement that would that that I think led leads to what what you and I believe that any kind of withdrawal and this is what Biden has said and his team has said any kind of withdrawal would have been messy no matter what it was no matter when it was and so yes I agree that what they ended up doing was not just heroic and historic but I think above and beyond what any other president could have done up to date, certainly above and beyond anything that Donald Trump would have done. I mean, my goodness, let's be real here. Right. And so, again, I think Republicans will do whatever they can to try to hit Biden on this. But I think they do so at their peril, because whether they are Bush advisors, who we all know were just, you know, warmongers and they were the ones who actually helped us screw up our mission in Afghanistan by focusing on weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And then you have, of course, Trump, who tried to deal with 
make a deal with the Taliban. And that was a disaster. So anyone who really talks about this in terms of, oh, Joe Biden really screwed up is either a hypocrite, completely clueless as to what it takes to get in and out of wars. And I just think that they are barking up the wrong tree. I think that come 2022, and especially 2024, Americans are going to remember those two things that I mentioned, right? The 120,000 people that were airlifted out of Afghanistan, the fact that he got us out of the 20-year war as he promised to do, and the fact that he was the only one with the political courage to do so. I mean, how many times, you know, talking about the things that Trump has done, how many times have you heard Trump say, I take responsibility for this? The buck stops with me. I made this decision and I stand by it. I mean, that is what Biden did a couple of days ago in his speech to the nation. There is nothing more presidential than that. And I think that is also what people will remember. Come 2022, though, what I believe people will really have front and center, Michael, is COVID-19, the economy, and what hopefully I what I hope will be this massive infrastructure transformational bills that Democrats will be able to pass that will transform the way that we connect and help the American people, which if anything has shown us in the last day or so, the horrendous uh, nature, force of nature that is Mother Nature and what she is causing all of us to suffer now because we were not able to plan in terms of our infrastructure in the last 50 years. This speaks volumes to how much we need the kind of infrastructure legislation that Democrats and I hope some common sense, sensible Republicans will help us pass. Yeah, see, it's very interesting. You asked what um, when was the last time you heard Donald Trump take responsibility for anything? And the answer is never, including including with as it relates to me with Stormy Daniels. I'm not the one who had the affair. It wasn't my wife who had just given birth. It was him. And what did he end up doing? He ends up not just with me, but with everybody. It's always somebody else's fault. He has the answers to everything. Immigration is a problem. Yeah, that's true. We've all known that. Four presidents before him also knew we needed to get out of Afghanistan. Did any of them do it? No. Mm -hmm. Who ended up deciding no more kicking the can down the road. We have to stop it now. And Biden stood up and he said, I'm the president. The buck stops with me and we are leaving. Now, of course, if everything went absolutely perfect, Trump would turn around and try to take credit for it. See, that's what he does. He takes credit off of everybody else's back. And if, in fact, there's even one person that turns around that makes a statement that it didn't go perfectly, well, that's on Maria Cardona. It's your fault. It's not mine. How could it be my fault? I'm, I mean, he's basically the reincarnate of God and God doesn't make mistakes, right? And here's something that Joe Biden also, it's not, it's not discussed enough, but I think as a direct result, of leaving Afghanistan, the United States economy is saving, what they say, $100 million a day. You know how many kids that could put through school? Do you know how many, you know, how much 
that can help to go towards the infrastructure that we so desperately need? Look, I've seen enough reports talking about some of these major bridges, right? We don't need another Oakland, California situation. Um, now, of course, that wasn't based upon, that was based on the earthquake, not based upon the structure of the bridge. But we have a ton of bridges throughout this country Many here in New York, New Jersey, and so on that are in major, major disrepair. And it's billions and billions of dollars in order to redo these bridges. Well, maybe instead of dropping a hundred million a day in Afghanistan on a war that you're right, we never should have been in because first and foremost, my favorite line is the weapons of mass destruction by George Bush. What did, what, what did they end up turning out to be like three rusty shovels? Exactly. Right. And, you know, and some, uh, you know, and some guns that, you know, had so much sand in them that they were petrified. I mean, you know, come on, it's nonsense. But what bothers me and I see this happening because I understand this Republican playbook. It's right out of what we created for Trump. They are setting the stage for 2022 yeah. in order to, if they take the House, immediately move for articles of impeachment against Joe Biden based upon Afghanistan on the withdrawal and the debacle that they claim that he put this country into. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to immediately file these articles of impeachment. Now, chances are they won't get enough votes in the Senate in order to convict. Right. But once again, this is the playbook that each and every one of them now are beginning to drop these little hints, right, about, you know, how Joe Biden should be impeached, how they said Anthony Blinken should be, you know, should resign, how this one, um, Kamala Harris now they're talking about. Could you imagine? I heard somebody t uh, talking about this and it blew me mm -hmm. away. If they end up somehow impeaching Joe Biden and then the following day, of course, Kamala Harris becomes president. Right. Right. They go ahead and they then, you know, and then she then gets impeached and Trump gets inserted somehow oh as the speaker. He would end <laughs> up by default, right, coming back into the office of the presidency. Now, of course, this is like something right out of House of Cards. It's like, not going to happen. It's cor correct. And he was supposed to allegedly be reinstated right. in August. And that day came and went because these QAnon conspiracists are insane. Mm -hmm. Right. They're just batshit mm -hmm. crazy. But these are things that they're actually talking about and not so much about the possibility, because I think it's it's like less than point zero 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 one percent possibility. But the fact that people are even okay, talking yeah. about doing something like yeah. this, which it goes it so goes against our Constitution right. and our democracy and our principles that I find it. I find it staggering and I find it upsetting. No, no doubt about that, Michael. And you are probably right. There there will be that movement. But as you know, between now and 2022, there is endless lifetimes, political lifetimes, right? Who knows what's going to be front and center? And I still contend that what is going to be front and center is COVID-19 and what we are seeing right now, the state's that are most in trouble on COVID-19 are head, headed by Republican governors. Imagine that. And that, I think, the focus is going to be, uh, the Biden administration is going to continue to focus on vaccinations. And we've already seen a huge uptick in vaccinations ever since the FDA approval. Vaccine hesitancy is going down. 
you know, Joe Rogan, I'm sure you saw a huge anti-vaxxer now has COVID-19. But, you know, instead of getting the vaccine, he went and he's taking horse dewormer. I mean, come on. What I hope going into 2022 and then, of course, going into 2024, is that the American people will remember with the help of all Democrats, all of our allies, all of the nonprofit groups, and even some sensible Republicans, that Donald Trump and the people who bow at the altar of everything that he represents, they are a clear and present danger to this country. And we have seen it in a myriad of issues on COVID-19, even on Afghanistan, right? They have proven that they didn't know how to do what Joe Biden actually did. They have proven it on immigration. Look what they're trying to do now to flip the script on Afghanistan. And I think this will actually hurt the Republican Party in the narratives that they're trying to build against Joe Biden. So they talked about Afghanistan, how, you know, it's shameful that Joe Biden left our allies to rot in Afghanistan. Well, now you have people like Tucker Carlson, um, Laura Ingram, and, and all the crazies talking about how now we should not let refugees, Afghan refugees, come into the country because we'll be letting terrorists into the country, right? They're starting to flip the script on immigration. They don't learn. Immigration worked beautifully, as you know, for Donald Trump in his favor in 2016. It completely backfired for him and Republicans in 2018. It didn't work again in 2020, and God knows he tried. And if they start doing that again for 2022, I say bring it on, because that is not where the American people are as much as they will continue to try to do that. And we need to be careful to fight off every single time that they try to do this and speak our truth about the kind of country we are and we want to continue to be. Uh, But that is a narrative that I do not think will be helpful for them. So therefore, I hope they use it. Yeah, me too. You know, it's funny you brought up Joe Rogan. And I happen to be a fan of Joe Rogan because I'm a fan of the UFC, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that they are major, major Trump supporters. Why? I don't understand. I mean, I've met Joe Rogan, and he's actually a really bright guy. Oh, he um, does it, sure. as his, as his, Yeah, I mean, he is a bright guy. Um, he's also quite entertaining. But if you see on television, and whether you watch Fox News or you watch CNN, and you see the numbers of people who are dying per day, you see the number of new hospitalizations per day, You now are hearing more and more about new hospitalizations of children each and every day. For God's sakes, you know, use, as we say in Yiddish, use some seichel, use some common sense. The fuck is wrong with you, Joe, right? How do you not get the vaccination? I mean, you know, all of a sudden, what do you think is going to happen? You know, you're going to end up becoming fertile, infertile, right? I mean, you know, what's the problem here? What are you thinking is, is going to happen? You think that this is some QAnon conspiracy of mind control or that it's going to take away years from your life? Yeah. I, I, Seriously? I and by the way, in all mm-hmm. fairness, the guy who wants to take credit for creating the vaccination is your supreme leader, right. Donald Trump, who thinks he's entitled to the Nobel Peace, you know, the Nobel Peace Prize. So pick and choose your poison, my friend. And I don't want to see Joe Rogan sick. I mean, three different conservative talk show hosts have now died as a direct result of being infected by the Delta variant. All right. 
I don't want to see that happen to Joe Rogan. I don't want to see it happen to right. anyone, Republican, Democrat, you know, maybe a couple of the prosecutors in my case. I wouldn't give a shit. But short of that, I really I, I mean it. Um, you know, it's just stupid. Mm-hmm. It makes absolutely no sense at all. Uh, yes, it is absolutely stupid. And you say Joe Rogan's a bright guy. And yes, he wouldn't be where he is, I think, if, if, if he wasn't, though, you know, th- there is, you know, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is also super famous. I, I wouldn't call her especially bright. Um, but the point is exactly what you're saying. The science is 180,000% proven that vaccinations help save lives and they help keep people out of the hospital. So the only reason to me why you wouldn't take the vaccine is because you are listening to the anti-vax community who is being cheered on by people who heard Donald Trump when he was in office and who I believe made a huge mistake because to your point, if he had chosen to do so, Michael, one of his legacies could have been a good one. It could have been the vaccine. It could have been leading this country out of a death trap by using the vaccine. If he had made a bit as big of a deal of getting vaccinated in public as he did of coming back from Walter Reed triumphant after he had COVID taking off his max, his, his mask and breathing deeply, even though we know that he was in breathing distress. If he had made as big of a deal of getting vaccinated as he did of that, we could have been in a different place as a country. And he could have been seen as one of the saviors of the COVID pandemic, but instead he chose to, Look at his base who were hearing him and and taking his lead on the anti-vax, the anti-mask, the anti-science part of COVID-19. And I think he and several, many, many Republicans who lead states and who have also taken their cue from him, like DeSantis, like Greg Abbott, I think they have blood on their hands because many people then take their lead from those leaders And they have chosen not to get the vaccine. They have chosen to believe the fears, believe the concerns. And I believe, you know, that thousands of Americans have died because of the actions of those Republicans. Yes. And what did he do? He allowed people. I shouldn't even say he allowed. They did it on their own, which was the intelligent, proper thing for former presidents to do. Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, George right. Bush, as well as Bill Clinton, they went, they did public service announcements showing that we're getting the vaccination instead. What does this chicken shit do? He gets the vaccination in the White House the day before he leaves yeah. because he doesn't. I, folks, if in fact you care about Donald Trump, even one percent, let me say this emphatically. He doesn't give a rat's ass for you, your family or anybody. Right. He only cares about himself. This was for him. Um, a, a talking point that he knew he was collecting a lot of money on in terms of, you know, grifting from his supporters who he built out of over $150 million by horsing around with the application that was, instead of it being a one-timer, it was a, uh, you know, a monthly. I mean, 
This is the man who they're talking about. And look, my my only hope, again, is that indictments start flying uh, as they are now. You know, now I understand uh, Matt Calamari Jr. is going to be coming in soon. Uh, that's going to be a big problem because that now puts pressure on the father, uh, Matt Calamari Sr. And he's the chief operating officer, former bodyguard, you know, former limo driver. I mean, the, you can't make this yeah. shit up. It's that crazy. But, Maria, moving on. How much of the GOP reaction to Afghanistan is based on their desire to use the opening provided by the chaotic evacuation to change the conversation away from the January 6th insurrection to something which allows them to go on the offensive against President Biden? It's a huge part of their motivation to do that. They know that any conversation surrounding January 6th is going to be detrimental for them. It's why McCarthy did not want to ultimately approve the original plan that was fair to Republicans. If you recall, Speaker Pelosi gave them everything they wanted in terms of what a a, a official commission would be. Uh, and, and it was a Republican plan that she had agreed to approve. And, and McCarthy at the end said, no, I'm not going to do it because he knows knows that any conversation that puts front and center what the GOP did and any Republican, whether it's congressperson or senator, did surrounding the January 6th insurrection and and deadly riots that took place are going to be detrimental to them. And and you don't even have to look further than what he said recently, trying to, um, you know, inject fear in the telecom companies if they were going to give over their records when the um, the group, the, the commission that Pelosi did put together, um, asked for them because they know that they are not pure on this. They are terrified for the January 6th conversation to be front and center. Now, that's not to say that I think Democrats should make the January 6th issue front and center going into the midterms. I still believe wholeheartedly that Democrats will win or lose on kitchen table issues. And I still believe wholeheartedly that we have a big um, advantage when it comes to that, especially if we are able to pass the infrastructure bill and reconciliation. But there's no question in my mind that January 6th will remind every American of what I just said earlier. January 6th, is a demonst- is demonstrable proof that Donald Trump and anyone who who blindly follows his lead, as we know too many on Capitol Hill still do to this day, if they are allowed to remain in power and God forbid take over the Senate and the House, they will be a clear and present danger to the democracy and the future of this country. You know, my favorite is when they make fun of Jim, the pedophile Jordan, right? And, you know, they say to him, did you speak to the president? I spoke to him once. I mean, listen, you stuttering fool. Seriously? Here's the facts. The facts are the telecom companies are going to end up providing, right, the information that Congress is seeking meaning phone records, text messages, pen registers. They're going to get Mm -hmm. it. And it's going to show that Jim Jordan lied. He lied. Now, mind you, that's a 1001 violation when you're lying to Congress. Could you imagine uh, a congressman now lying to Congress? I ended up getting charged with that violation because I stated 
that I only spoke to Trump three times about a failed real estate project in Moscow when, in fact, I spoke to him about it 10 times. Now, that's a terrible right. lie that I, that. that I told. And, I, and, and it makes sense that they gave me 36 months for this and, and, you know, and for the payment of Stormy Daniels and so on. But Jim Jordan, who's lying about assisting, mm-hmm. right, or betraying our country and allowing an insurrection in our capital, mm-hmm. that, of course, that, of course, should not be a chargeable offense. You know, the biggest problem, too, and it's why so many people have no trust for our politicians on both sides, is they all lie like rugs. They're full of shit. All they do is what benefits them for their next election with their constituents. And they're not working, sadly, for the benefit of the people. Right. They're working for the benefit of themselves and their position. And that's really disgraceful. But now uh, contrast that to what Joe Biden did. He knew that Afghanistan was going to be one of these issues that creates a lot of, uh, you know, turmoil. And it's going to create a lot of open issues that Republicans would attack him on and some Democrats. But he didn't care. He said it is time to end this war. It's time to bring our troops home. It's time to stop throwing money out overseas on a, you know, um, in Afghanistan on a war that we have not been able to be successful in 20 years. And he did the right thing for the country. It may prove not right for his campaign, but it's definitely going to prove right for this country. So he did the right thing, which in this case was the most difficult thing. And what I hope will be to prove that it will also be good for him politically. But you are absolutely right, Michael. We don't know. It could be horrendous for him politically. And he could have taken that and used that in his calculus of what he was actually going to do. He could have said to himself with his advisors around him, look, this withdrawal has been chaotic. Let me go back on the deadline Let me go back on my promise to get the United States completely out of Afghanistan. Let me leave a residual force. Republicans won't attack me about that because they want it. Some Democrats even are telling me that that's what I should do. Let's do that. And that way I can, you know, sort of watch my back politically and I can say, look, you know, this is this was the actual right thing to do. We will get out of Afghanistan down the road. But I want to make sure, you know, to keep Afghans safe and to keep our promise to the Afghan people. I mean, he could have done that so easily. And that would have been the politically expedient thing to do at that very moment. But guess what he did instead? He looked at the television images And he said, let's get our people out. Let's get our Afghan allies out as quickly as we can in as orderly a manner as we can. I know our military is up to it. And they were. And yes, it was heart wrenching when we saw the loss of 13 um, lives of our troops. But even then, not even the military flinched. Biden did not flinch. In fact, he used that to say their lives are not going to have been in vain. 
We are going to keep the promise that we made to the American people. We're going to end this endless war. We're going to focus on getting every American who wants to leave out. We're going to keep our promise to our Afghan allies. And by the way, that is still happening, as you know, through other means. And so he did the right thing. And in this case, it was the most difficult thing to have done. Anyone else with less political courage with less of a steely backbone would have gone back and say, we're going to stay a little while longer and continued that endless war. He did not. And I am so proud of him for doing that. And I believe at the end of the day, the American people are too. And as I am as well. Well, I mean, really well said, Maria. A massive potential leak involving Microsoft Power Apps, a development tool for many public websites and mobile apps, may have exposed 38 million records, including social security numbers, addresses, phone numbers, and even COVID-19 vaccination status. Don't get complacent with the increasing number of leaks. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Your private information is more exposed than ever and could leave you vulnerable to cyber threats. The one and all protection of Norton 360 with LifeLock makes it easy to have protection in the digital world. Device security helps block cyber criminals from stealing your personal information from your devices. VPN with bankrate encryption helps keep information you send over Wi-Fi safe. LifeLock identity theft protection monitors your personal information and alerts you to potential threats. Now, no one can prevent all cybercrime and identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But if you have Norton 360 with LifeLock, you can opt into cyber safety. So sign up today and save 25% or more off your first year by going to Norton.com slash Cohen. That's 25% off at Norton.com slash Cohen. In a May 21st column for The Hill, you wrote that the GOP was in full meltdown, writing that, and I quote, We have a political party in the GOP whose members are fastening themselves more tightly to Trump, twisting themselves into rhetorical knots to uphold the big lie that the 2020 election was stolen from Trump. Now some Republicans are denying that the insurrection was a traitorous attack on the Capitol by Trump's supporters emboldened by him. Add to this their politicization of COVID and flip-flopping on the Afghanistan withdrawal. It seems to me that with each subsequent crisis, the GOP paints itself into an even more extremist position. How does the GOP come back from where it currently stands and abandon this Trump-worshipping MAGA extremism? I don't think they are going to come back from it. I think that what we have seen proves time and time again exactly what I said, that they continue to, to try to tie themselves even more tightly to Trump, which is which on the one hand, I think they know is and, and here's where I don't understand how they can sleep at night. Um, or, or look at their kids um, in, in, in their kids' faces. They know what they're doing is wrong. They know that what Trump is purporting happened in the election is a big freaking lie. They know that. And yet they are betting their political future, their own moral values, if they have any left, 
and they are putting everything on the line to support him because to them, it is more important to have Trump in their corner than it is to do the right thing, to tell the truth, to protect this democracy and to uphold the values that this country was founded on. And and I am still perplexed as to how it is that they've made that bed. But to me, it continues to prove that they have always been about political expediency and never about doing the right thing. And you're right, Michael, most people hold politicians in that vein. But what I have seen in the last, you know, four years, five years, even 10 years, is that it has been mostly Democrats and some Republicans that have stepped out to actually uphold the truth, values, American values, and have tried to lead with those, have tried to even legislate with those, have tried to understand even where this country is going with the demographic changes that we're going through. And I hope we get to talk about that too. And it is all encased in one truth. And that is that this country is still the greatest country in the world, even as we have some in this country that don't want us to succeed in the way that, with the realities that this country represents today. And that became true when Trump ran for office and won on a platform of, in, in, you know, in, in his MAGA brain, it was make America great again. But what that has always been is a dog whistle for going back to a time when America was more white, more male, and, you know, something where people that looked like Donald Trump were the ones at the top of the hill and that everyone was always genuflecting at their knees. And so that is no longer the case. And to me, what Republicans are doing as they fasten themselves tighter to that kind of image that Trump's America reflects, they are losing ground and they are missing the train on where the future, well, not even just, not even the future, where the now of this country is going. If we look at the changes in demography and who voted for who in this last election, Republicans are losing people of color. Republicans are losing young people in droves. You can't have a political long-term future in this country if you are losing massive numbers in those demographics, you know, losing women left and right, of course, and with what just happened in Texas, even more so. And so I... Well, Maria, if that's Maria, yeah. if that's the case, then the 2022 midterm elections should go heavily in favor of Democrats when, in fact, you start speaking to whether it's Democratic strategists like yourself or Republican strategists. I think it's going to be a whole lot closer, uh, despite the fact that, yes, they're losing not only young people, not only women. I mean, how could you not lose women? Right. Everything that came out of Donald's mouth is sexist and misogynistic, right? And, you know, young people have a totally different perspective on the world yep. than Donald Trump, who is so myopic. It's so racist and and sexist and so on. It's you know it's amazing. But you also said something I found interesting that you know um, 
that they want the country to succeed, uh, meaning Republicans and Trump uh, with his MAGA uh, sort of uh, motto, mm -hmm. right? When in fact, the second that he lost the election, what he's looking to do now yeah. is to burn down the House. And what we're seeing are these Trump crazies, like you said, Bobert and Marjorie Taylor Greens and Hawley's and even Ted the Moron Cruz and, and so on and Mitch, um, you know, McConnell mm -hmm. and Kevin McCarthy, all of them, right? And what are they doing? And this brings me to a point that you just brought up on Texas, which we're going to talk about. These crazies are increasing their insanity on a daily basis, even despite the fact that they're losing numbers of supporters significantly. Yeah. Now, I want to bring that up in terms of response to Texas um, just passed a ban on six-week abortion. And you wrote the following, and I want to quote it. Roe v. Wade is currently void in Texas. Welcome to back alley abortions and a tremendous burden on low-income women that will be devastating to their lives and livelihoods. Mm -hmm. Texas's six-week abortion ban takes effect after the Supreme Court doesn't act to block it. The means for enforcement seems quite draconian in that it relies on private citizens to sue people who help women to get forbidden abortions. Can you do me a favor and unpack for me how Texas got to such a terrible place? And do women have to worry about abortion spies now suing them? How will this all work? And how is it that not a violation of women's rights? It is a violation of women's rights. The law is completely unconstitutional. Yes, women should be terrified. And everyone who supports women's right to their own reproductive um, futures they all should be terrified of crazies looking to them, trying to spy on them, trying to sue them. That is one of the reasons why we're seeing today providers are already, already turning people away and already are not treating their clients for what had already been scheduled abortions because they're saying we can't do it. The law does not let us do this now. So all of this is to say is that it is huge. It is a huge, not just a burden, but it is dangerous for women in Texas today because uh, what, what people don't seem to understand, Michael, is that when we talk about women having the right to choose, it's not just having the right to choose whether or not they have an abortion, but that choice is tremendously surrounded by the health of the woman herself. You know, women don't simply choose to have an abortion because they might not want the baby. And certainly that is the case. And that is their right today in America, except for Texas. Uh, it, but but it is all about the health of the woman. Sometimes taking a baby to term can put a woman's health in danger. It can put her life at risk. And that's why the decision should be up to her, her family, her doctor, and if she's religious, then her religious and her, her religious leaders, if that is her choice. It should not be up to anybody else. And so, yes, this is going to put women in peril, women's lives in peril, and even their um, mental health in, in peril, thinking that, oh, my gosh, if I go to a provider now, is somebody going to think I'm having an abortion and are they going to sue me? Well, yes, under this law, they probably can be sued. That is how crazy this law is. That is why you saw the, the passionate 
and and furious dissent of the three liberals and thankfully John Roberts as well as they stood by and and tried to push the court to not decide what they decided, essentially decide not to do anything and therefore let let the law go to fruition. But to me, you know what this begs for, Michael? This begs for Congress to now legislate and codify the rights that we that women now have, except for Texas, under Roe versus Wade. There is a bill in Congress right now that exists. It's called the Women's Health Care Act, where it essentially will codify a woman's right to choose when and how to have a baby. And that is what Democrats should be trying to push. That is what sensible Republicans should be trying to push. And you know what would be really interesting to me, Michael? We know that the majority of Americans, not just women, support a woman's right to make these decisions on her own. Let's make this an issue in the 2022 elections. If Republicans want to come out and and be seen as the, you know, harbingers of, of the, you know, the ones who want to bring on the country that is portrayed in Handmaid's Tale, then bring it on because Democrats will take that to the American people and make this an issue in the 2022 election. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. This is literally out of the show, The Handmaid's yes. Tale. And, you know, Texas now, they should take the signs down and as you're driving in, it should say, welcome to, welcome Gilead. to Gilead. This is yeah. not a... This is not a fucking joke because once it starts here, you see, this is the whole, again, Trump playbook, right? When he went after Second Amendment rights, they're going to take away your guns. They're going to take away your guns, Mm -hmm. right? You got to fight for it. You can't let them, right? You can't let them do that. It's unconstitutional Second Amendment. I'm your Second Amendment guy. Nobody knows more about the Second Amendment than, than, than I do. And you sit there and you say, shut the fuck up. You have no idea about the Constitution. You can't even spell the word, you dumbass. Instead, right, instead something so private, something so personal, right, that now that they have the right to take that away from you, and could you imagine your next door neighbor now has the ability to basically destroy your life? And that's exactly what was going on in The Handmaid's Tale, where, you know, and how much further will it go? Will it turn around and say, well, you're not allowed to have blonde hair anymore? Everybody has to have brown hair. Everybody has to wear, you know, um, the, you know, the outfits like they had in Gilead. I mean, it gets to a point where this is really batshit crazy. I mean, whoever thought that Roe v. Wade would ever be in contention to be overturned? Not me. Well, you know what's interesting about that, Michael? Uh, you know, Susan Collins h- has famously said that she supported Kavanaugh and Amy Comey Barrett because they said things like that they would respect the precedent that was Roe v. Wade. And so now I think she is in a tough spot because clearly they don't respect that precedent that is Roe v. Wade. They let this law, you know, go into effect. Um, not just hurting women, but, you know, like you said, it is going to hurt the way that, that that things are legislated. So I think another thing that Democrats can do is they can take a look at how this law was written by the Republican, well, Republican legislature by, you know, the, the people who sort of put this on the books. Let's write a law like that that would then outlaw assault weapons or guns or that would codify voting rights. 
Or again, let's use it to our advantage and use it to codify women's reproductive rights, right? We have to fight fire with fire. This is what I think, you know, has been missing from, from the Democratic Party for way too long. The first one is, is that we never made, to the extent that we should, Supreme Court justices or justices in general for the for the appellate courts, a voting issue. And Republicans did that brilliantly, brilliantly for the last 30 years. And that's why we're in the mess that we're in. That's why one of the big reasons why so many Republicans who detested Trump in every other way, you know, both politically, personally, from a a moral standpoint, from a value standpoint, they detested him. But the one reason why they voted for him is because they knew that he was going to appoint judges that in his mind and in his words said they would overturn Roe versus Wade. And that's exactly what we're doing. And we are now Democrats for so long. We were never able to make Supreme Court justices a voting issue. And I think now we're suffering for it. And it, and it definitely needs to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, and it's, it's more even than just abortion. They have that, uh, it's like Bill 4, right? That, um, gets rid of, um, pills, right? Yes, uh, the, the pregnancy exactly. pills, Absolutely. which, which now again, it goes to a whole nother level of violating yeah. somebody's right yeah. in order to, if, if there's a pill on the market, and it's FDA approved. Now you're telling me that we can't take it because it conflicts. Well, what if you take it not in Texas? What if you are from Texas, but you take it in New York or you take it right. in Florida right. or you take it someplace else? Now is, you know, when you get back, have you now broken the law? If I, I, we have no idea where this is going to go, but I'm with you. It, hopefully it becomes part of the referendum in 2022. Right. I do want to then move forward and ask you, Herschel Walker. Right, the former NFL running back and celebrity apprentice superstar <laughs> turned rising conservative star uh, is now running to replace Raphael Warnock in the Senate. Now, he is a Trump pick considered by the former president to be an unstoppable force. I mean, you can't make this shit up. It's it's just comical. Do you see Georgia flipping back in 22? And do you think that um, Herschel Walker will be the person to do it? Well, it- if you hear Republican analysts and strategists, then I would say we're on pretty safe ground if Herschel Walker becomes the nominee for the Republican Party in Georgia, because it, not even Republican strategists believe that Herschel Walker can beat Raphael Warnock. Now, that's not to say that we should count on that, even if Herschel Walker does end up being the nominee, which, again, those same strategists say that he will be the nominee. Um, we need to we need to put in there every single resource and make, you know, double the push that we did um, this year in terms of, of, of winning those two seats. No one gave the Democrats a prayer in the world of being able to win both seats. And we did, but we did it because people like Stacey Abrams and black votes matter. And so many grassroots organizations, black groups, Latino groups, women's groups, they did what needed to be done in order to get their votes out. It's going to be a lot harder in 2022 because, you know, this, the horrendous laws that, that legislatures are passing to make it more difficult for people of color to vote. But knowing what, they, what we are up against, Democrats are going to put everything into that effort. They never stopped, right? 
organizing in Georgia, which I think was smart. They are still organizing in Georgia because they knew that this was going to come up. Now, if we look at the history of Herschel Walker, you know, my husband is a huge sports fan. And when this happened, he said, huh, you know, Republicans should have taken a it should have taken notice of what happened to the Dallas Cowboys when they got rid of Herschel Walker in the early 90s. That's when they became a superstar team. So Republicans, instead of recruiting Herschel Walker, they should try to keep as far away from him as possible because he didn't do the Dallas Cowboys any favors. And so I think that if Herschel Walker becomes the Republican nominee for the Senate in Georgia, that it will be something that Democrats can rally around and can organize around. And, you know, I'm not going to make any predictions because it, it is still an uphill battle for Democrats, not just in Georgia, but to maintain and hopefully increase the Senate and to maintain and hopefully increase the House in 2022. Because even though all the demography is in our favor, we still have a huge gap between registered voters and the people who actually come out and vote. And that's one of the things that we need to fix. But knowing the fervor that is behind these movements to get our voters out in Georgia and in other battleground states, knowing the massive investments the Democrats are making, the DNC you know, just announced $25 million investment in getting voters out. All of that is going to go towards making sure that the American people understand who is on their side, who has their backs, who wants to fortify our democracy, and who wants to destroy our democratic institutions and just genuflect at the altar of Donald Trump. You know, it's funny. You talk about when they got rid of, when Dallas got rid of uh, Herschel Walker. I think people forget. There's, my opinion, he has zero chance of winning the Senate. The guy couldn't even win season eight Celebrity Apprentice. Oh, I mean, this is the guy, right? This is the guy who got fired because he couldn't control Clint Black, right? And th- nobody would listen to him. So now all of a sudden, the guy who lost total control over Clint Black, the guy who couldn't control his team for a job is now going to become a senator. I think it's great. Good luck to you, Herschel. <laughs> Please, whoever's listening, don't waste your money. You may as well donate it to a worthy cause instead of sending it to this guy's Senate campaign. He has about as much chance of winning the office of the Senate as Andrew Giuliani has of winning the governorship <laughs> here in New York. Now, <laughs> mo- moving on, right? The new census data released showed for the first time the percentage of white residents shrank while the share of Latinos and Asian Americans exploded. Mm-hmm. Now, Latinos were responsible for more than half the growth in the last decade. And America's 18 and under population is now majority non-white. How will these demographic changes, in your opinion, affect Democrats' chances in 2022? And does this finally doom the GOP to demographic irrelevance in the near future? Or do you think that it further cements their desire to clamp down on voter access and other initiatives? I think both of those things are true, Michael. I think that the Republican Party has given up on trying to expand the ranks among voters of color. And politically, strategically, it's a huge mistake. I remember when the Republican Party under George Bush um, and even Karl Rove, right, they were very smart about reaching out to Latinos. And let's remember, you know, George Bush got 40 percent of the Hispanic vote in 2004. It's what let him win 
um, the the election. And he was always very good about reaching out to Latinos. Jeb Bush was the same. He was married to a Mexican woman, for God's sake. Right. But that has gone away. That has gone by the wayside. Republicans today have embraced their nativist tendencies that came to the fore and were super visible, disgustingly so, under Donald Trump. But that is the path that they have chosen to go down. So I think long term, I don't know if 2022 will be a um, an example of that. I hope it will. I think 2024 will continue to be an example of that. Democrats have to do a lot more in actually getting those voters to the polls numbers wise. If we could invest, let's say, 50 million dollars in a program that would be just focused on getting Latinos out to vote in Texas, we could turn Texas blue and it would be game over presidentially. Now, you've heard a lot of talk about how Donald Trump did better among Latinos this past election. He did in two very specific districts, let's just say. In Miami-Dade, he did better than he did in 2016. And in that was with the Cuban American. Correct, crowd. exactly. And in the Rio Grande Valley in Texas. Now, those were correct. two very specific outliers, and there are certainly lessons learned there for Democrats. In Florida, it was the misinformation and disinformation that run rampant on Spanish language television that when Democrats started pushing back, it was too late because that had been going on for about a year and a half. And then in Texas, it was all about border issues, and ironically so. But in both cases, if we had been able to bring out more Latino voters that we knew were going to support Biden and the Democratic agenda, we could have completely countered that. And that's what we need to be doing going into the 22 election. If we are able to get more of our people out to vote in 2022, and when I say our people, I mean more Latinos, more women, more African-Americans, even more independents, um, more LGBTQ, more young people, more people who understand the what this country has to offer, the promise of this country, and that under Republicans, that promise goes to shit, excuse my language, and under Democrats, that promise seems to be made a reality for more people. If you look at the simply, if you look at the economy, Michael, and how it has done under past Republican presidents and under past Democratic presidents, there is no contest. It has been under former Democratic presidents where this economy has boomed for everybody, not just the top 1% that we know were the ones that Donald Trump was so focused on. And so that kind of messaging, along with the investments and the you know ground game that we need to, to uh, essentially be all about in 2022 and in 2024, and if we're able to do that, I do think it's game over for the Republican Party. You know, it's funny, Maria. When I when I hear you speaking, I don't hear any accent at all. And I've noticed this, you know, when you say I love how you say Latinos. <laughs> it reminds you of something. You know, my grandmother was born in Buenos Aires. And oh, it, you couldn't tell. Wow. Yeah, 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 in Buenos Aires. And um she lived there, you know, until I think she was like eighteen, nineteen years old. And there were certain words that she would say that 
you would say, oh my gosh, all right, you know, that there is something there. I just find it's great. But I will tell you this. I have 80 days left on this home confinement. And so on. once that's all over, I maybe we'll go hit the circuit and we'll go explain to people just how stupid that they're being and see if we can't, you know, rile that. up the Democratic base to make sure that 2022 is, you know, is going to be. Because if, in fact, 2022 goes Dem, uh, goes Republican, personally, it's a I find it's a big problem, not just for the country, but for me personally, because of Donald Trump's oh. ability to carry vendettas. Uh, you know, I may end up having to ask, you know, Canada, you know, where most oh, half of my family resides in Toronto. I may have to go run to Canada. Oh. You know, this would be just like Gilead again. <laughs> you know, you got to flee oh, to Toronto. Let's, let's hope that doesn't happen, Michael. <laughs> well, I'm not going to allow it. But Maria, as I said at the very beginning, you know, the hour goes by fast and, you know, we're really approaching the end of the hour. I have one last question for you. Yes. In an August 4th tweet... You talked about your efforts combating the massive amount of misinformation around the COVID vaccine within the Latino community. Mm -hmm. Can you discuss with my listeners what some of the biggest myths yeah. you're trying to dispel? Yes, I would love to, Michael. Thank you for giving me that opportunity. I am working with the Ad Council uh, and the COVID Collaborative on a historic effort and, and historic resources that they are putting into communicating to the Latino community in English and in Spanish about the importance of, of getting informed, getting educated about the COVID-19 vaccines, understanding the truth surrounding the vaccines, how they make people safe, how they keep you out of the hospital, how they can save lives. And one of the biggest myths that is going around in the Latino community and in, and in communities, Latino communities, faith communities, especially are that the vaccine, if you are a pregnant woman, if you take the vaccine, that it can cause an abortion. Or if you are a Latina and you are hoping to get pregnant, that taking the vaccine will cause infertility. Or if you have recently had a baby and you are nursing your baby, if you take the vaccine, that that will hurt your baby. All of those are myths. Those are not true. And that those myths have been running rampant, especially among evangelical and religious communities. And one of the things that we did that was, uh, I think, so, so powerful and compelling recently, um, Michael, speaking of Buenos Aires, is we got the Holy Father to do a public service announcement uh, saw that. to talk about how getting vaccinated was an act of love. And how the way the vaccine came about was an act of God. And that, I think, was super compelling because there are a lot of religious people, as you know, who say, well, if I get the if I get covid, God will protect me because I have faith. Well, you know what? Part of what Catholic teachings as well as religious teachings are is that, you know, God will help those who help themselves. And so bringing about these vaccines bringing about the ability for this country to have a vaccine available to everybody is a blessing. We are seeing how so many other countries are struggling to get vaccines to their people. And then to see people over here, you know, say we're not going to get vaccinated because we believe A, B, or C is just heart-wrenching. And so our whole campaign is based on getting people the information and getting people the truth. We don't want to shame people who are truly hesitant 
for historic reasons. And there are those people who are truly hesitant for historic reasons. Let's remember what happened in Tuskegee, right? Which is, has mm-hmm. been a huge shadow around the African-American community. In the Latino community, there were most recently forced hysterectomies that, that were done to migrants in ICE custody without their knowledge. There have been historically experiments done in the Puerto Rican population on the island of Puerto Rico, you know, in the in the 50s, simply for experimentation's sake. So all of that history really has been a burden on those people who remember that and who say, well, these vaccines did seem to come along pretty quickly. I don't trust it. And so our whole campaign is focused on having these conversations with Latino faith leaders, with Latino doctors, nurses, and pharmacists, experts all around the country in English and in Spanish and even in Spanglish. Because as you know, our community, a veces hablamos los dos idiomas in one place, uh-huh. right? At the in same one. time, yep. totally al understand. mismo tiempo. Yep. And so a lot of the outreach that we have done, we did a teletown hall just this past Tuesday um, to um, Texas, Nevada, and California. And we had 22,000 callers that were part of that um, of that teletown hall. And I was able to get the questions from the participants to the medical experts that were on the phone. Some questions were in English, some questions were in Spanish. It was a wonderful way to get the facts out to the people who needed them the most. And that's what we're focused on. And I'm really, really proud of that program. Yeah, and actually you should use this as a little bit of a slogan, right? Be a part of the solution. Don't be a part of the problem. Exactly. Because it is it is really a problem and it's sad because these communities are getting hit yeah. very, the very hardest. hard. And it's They're not just hit the hardest. The hardest. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's also their children and so on. But Maria, let me thank you so much for your time, for your for your wisdom, uh for your you know, your your just commitment to the twenty twenty two um upcoming midterm elections and um i just i'm there to help you when i get out in 80 days we will together we will convince the latino community or as you say latino community to (laughs) we will we will convince them that they need to get the vaccination uh for their own safety and their own health thank you michael i'm gonna hold you to that i would love to do that i would love to take it on the road as as you say so that we can convince everyone again what a clear and present danger donald trump and all of his lackeys are to this country and i would also like to invite you now that i've done your podcast you need to come and do mine. I co-host a podcast along with my dear friend and Republican counterpart on CNN, Alice Stewart. We have a podcast called Hot Mics from Left to Right. And the whole reason we have this podcast, Michael, is because we believe that even if we mostly disagree with one another, and, and we do on many issues, but she surprisingly agrees with me on a lot of issues as well, um, that we need to have civil conversations. We need to understand that having a conversation and doing it civilly is something that is rare these days, but that is vastly needed, especially with this uh, political environment. So, And you got a deal. I'd be more than happy. So thank you. Appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Thanks, Maria. And now for today's mea culpa. In speaking with Ms. Cardona, I am reminded of the sense of relief I felt after Joe Biden's election on November 6th and how that feeling lasted about 30 seconds. 
The fact is, many people, myself included, believe that merely removing Trump from office would stop the fucking extremist tide from rising further. But what many did not realize was that we had already drowned. The success of SB8 shows the reality of that nightmare. A conservative Supreme Court, led by three appointees of former President Donald J. Trump, had allowed a highly gerrymandered Republican-controlled state legislature to circumvent Roe v. Wade, the half-century-old decision that enshrined abortion as a constitutional right. And it showed the success of a carefully orchestrated master plan that required deep coordination amongst the conservative legal community, the White House and the Senate, combined with the willingness of Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky to play confirmation hardball. This is the fruition of an unholy alliance between Donald Trump and McConnell. It's why conservatives held their nose and stood by the former president through everything. They had their eyes on the end game. If he could deliver the court, he was delivering a decisive shift in how this nation would be governed long into the future. That was the bet, and now it's paying off. Trump will undoubtedly use this to impress upon all those who are calling for him to leave the stage that it was him and him alone who made this all possible and will likely cement his hold over the party even further. With all that in mind, we must now find a way to push back against a plan that in many ways is decades in the making. In addition, it proves true the old maxim that all politics are local, for it's the state legislatures that have stepped into the fray and proving most loyal to the MAGA agenda. It's my hopes that this moment serves as the wake-up call for fucking Democrats who need to get off their asses and fucking fight. Fight like you mean it. These folks aren't fucking around, guys, so we have to counter. They want to fundamentally remake society in a way that is antithetical to my most basic sense of decency and morality. These are terrible people, fucking monsters, bent on creating legislation that could affect my daughter and my daughter's daughter. Well, the time is now, and to make a red line in the sand and say no more. And thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. And it's written and produced by Jimmy Jelinek. Executive producers are Jared Gustat, Jimmy Jelinek, myself, Michael Cohen, and Phil Alberstadt. Our editor is Lisa Orkin. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is winning the war on the state and local level. Mea Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Mea Culpa, nothing but the truth. Pluto TV is playing the biggest movies every night this summer for free. Watch hit movies like The Matrix, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Scary Movie, Runaway Bride, and more all summer long. Check out the biggest stars like The Rock, Keanu Reeves, Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and more. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of free TV channels in English and Spanish featuring TV shows, news, sports, comedy, and more all for free. Download the free Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device, including Android and Apple smartphones. Pluto TV. 
drop in. Watch free. Pluto TV is playing the biggest movies every night this summer for free. Watch hit movies like The Matrix, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Scary Movie, Runaway Bride, and more all summer long. Check out the biggest stars like The Rock, Keanu Reeves, Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and more. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of free TV channels in English and Spanish featuring TV shows, news, sports, comedy, and more all for free. Download the free Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device, including Android and Apple smartphones. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. <laughs> 